Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? A little bit of a check-in. How's your week going? Are you focusing on your mental health? If not, do it now. How you feeling? Just take a moment, pause, put your hands on your, on your upper chest or on your stomach and just say, how am I feeling? How am I doing? Any changes need to be made? Am I feeling a little anxious? Do I need to work on grounding myself a little bit? Have I been focusing on self-care? Again, every single day we're building that in. And again, don't forget, just to prioritize mental health our own and other people's, we're asking everyone that we bump into, how's your mental health doing? You know, letting them know, safe space, something important to talk about. More and more, bring that up in every clinical session I'm doing, especially people that are male identified, because again, in our culture, very very, very difficult. A lot of people don't even see it as a trait that is acceptable for men. When Van Jones, regardless of your thoughts on him as a person, when he was crying on the night of the election, that was stunning for me. I think men crying in public is such a radical act of self-worth, self-esteem. I think that that is maleness at its best. Vulnerability is so beautiful to see. And I put that on my IG. I was like, this is what we're working towards. And those that have really listened and tracked Loveline, I've shared before that that's my, that was my goal this past year, to cry more and to cry more in public. Just such an honest thing, such a beautiful thing. Um, so uh, let's talk about weird habits that are developed in quarantine. Oh, uh, yes. Look, <laughs> I have a whole lot. <laughs> and it's become almost just who I am because quarantine's been going on now for almost a year. And that's a long period of time to really normalize whatever changes. That's not to have come out as a result of the quarantine, but that's not to say that we can't undo that. Of course we can. A lot of that has a flexibility to it. A lot of it are things we want to maybe keep and actually hold on to. I've talked about my desire to wear nothing but sweatpants moving forward. I've also said how I want servers to always be wearing masks. I don't ever want people uh, having the capacity to put aerosols on my food or on my face. You know what I mean? So I've actually valued uh, the ability to kind of separate out from whatever viruses or bacteria people might have. So I'm down with that. But... Um, what are some other weird quarantine uh, habits? I was looking at this article and I was thinking, what? So here's an interesting one. Checking my phone in the shower? What? See, that's disheartening. You need to be so connected that you can't even step away from your phone for what? 12 to 30 minutes that you're in your phone looking? Like, I want that to really be a moment where you, you stop and have a deep conversation with yourself and say, wow, social media has really taken over my life. 
Woof. That was, that was, that was a hard one to hear. Uh, here's another one that is a therapist. I very much worry about happy hour at every hour. Yep. Talked about that a little bit. Every hour on the hour, someone's like, now's a good time to drink or to hit some of those drugs. Be very thoughtful about that. You don't want to walk yourself into substance misuse where you're not really able to just encounter downtime or your thoughts or feelings because a lot of people are just riding through the day, high or drunk. And uh, that's definitely, you know, most likely a misuse. (laughs) There's other things we can really tap into. Joy and pleasure can be found in other ways. But here's the one that I relate to directly. Wearing the same clothes day after day. Now, (laughs) I got called out on this by a friend. So before you all get judgy, judgy, I want everyone to put your hand up (laughs) if you have worn the same thing more than one day in a row. Because I know I'm not the only one. And it tends to be, take a wild guess, the sweatpants. Now, I have multiple pairs, okay? So it does get distributed. But, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's been a couple days where I was like, yeah, it's definitely time to change these. (laughs) Clean underwear, clean underwear, yes. But those sweatpants, man, if I did a photo tracking of every day, you'd see them pop up a few times. But that's okay, that's okay, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like they don't necessarily get dirty. Um, I thought this was really beautiful and I've seen a lot of friends do this. Trying different recipes. Now, I was someone who at different times have tried to become more of a cook, and I have some friends that have really gone all out on this, and I think that that's really rad. You know, those that want to use this time to develop new skills or to really take more time to explore recipes, so many amazing things to be made, and, and I wish I had taken more time. I still, I still can to really get into baking. Baking's kind of what my jam would be. I'm definitely a dessert fan. Uh, uh, I'm, des- I'm definitely known to often have something stuffed into my face, you know? Um, another thing that I thought was actually kind of cool is people setting up these interesting at home green screens for zoom or Skype calls, which God bless it. The four seasons landscaping company where Trump's team infamously held by accident, a press conference. You can make that your backdrop. Come on. That's pretty rad. And just doing Skype therapy. I've had some people pop up with some interesting backgrounds and I'm thinking, Wow, that's real, you know, but interesting stuff. I love technology. You know, it's a, re- it's a way to really personalize the backdrop. Also wasn't aware that this was a thing. There's like a, maybe it's just built in, but you can kind of like blur out what's around you, you know, just give yourself a little more privacy. I don't know. Anywho, we got a great show planned for you. As always, question of the night is up on our Loveland G page. We're going to talk extensively about the dating game, getting back in there, what you got to think about. And again, that's a tip that all of us can walk away having learned something from. And also Wentworth Miller, he's the actor from Prison Break. He came out saying something really interesting, something I hadn't considered, but I actually fully support. So stick around and hear more about that. But coming up next, um, I'm going to kind of go head to head with Katy Perry. Yep, I got an issue. I got a gripe with Miss Perry. We're going to talk about it. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. Post-election reverberations and echoes. Ah, yes, the work is not done. Let's start by just saying that. Remember, Democrats are in the office, presidential, presidential-wise. Uh, Biden and Kamala does mean the work is done. Still much change needed is needed. However, <laughs> now, we have people like Katy Perry, and I posted about this on my social media, who has popped up and said, hey, Democrats, y'all need to take the time, reach out to those Republicans, um, really try to find some commonality. You know, she said, um, I reached out and texted my family members who did not agree. I wanted to let them know I love them and I'm here for them. 
And there was so much pushback and I, and I appreciate and I agree. They're saying like, listen, easy for you. You're a wealthy white cis hetero person. Your rights weren't on the line in the same ways that trans gay and other individuals are. And so it's a really different scenario for you, but for people who were directly having violence and oppression waged against them, where to vote for Trump or to be Republican was to really work towards the extermination and removal of their human rights, why should they reach out to their oppressor and try to make nice? And that was what I was saying on my social media as well, that it's a really unfair expectation. Um, you know, our oppressors don't get to act violence out on us and then turn around and demand decorum and politeness in response. It just doesn't work that way. Um, <laughs> you're allowed to set boundaries against your oppressor, you know, people that literally supported a president who was working against your rights, human rights, civil rights, uh, worth as a human being. You don't owe anyone who is a part of that movement and still continues to be because just because Trump didn't win doesn't mean that those racists and homophobes don't ex don't still exist and aren't still going to push that agenda. You don't need to reach out to homophobic or racist people in your life, family members or otherwise, and let them know you're here for them. They were not there for you and it's unsafe to have them in your life. And we've talked about that. You're allowed to have boundaries with people that enact violence on you systemically or individually. And it's also what we call the cycle of abuse, where the victim <laughs> is made to feel responsible for the um, perpetrator. And when the perpetrator makes nice, it communicates the idea that this relationship is safe, even though they had just acted out violence on you. And that's a system you don't need to be a part of. When someone shows that they're violent or they're not safe or they're oppressive, you're allowed to honor that and say, I remove you from my life. I hold a boundary with you. It is not your job to apologize because they, their president, their choice didn't win. And if anything, Republicans should reach out to us and anyone with any exploited marginalized identity and apologize for what they were trying to support and create in our country. So it's like, we're waiting here for their apology, but it's not our job to reach out to them. And there's a lot of people saying, well, we need to find commonality. No, we don't. I don't need to know that a bunch of racists and homophobes also like donuts as much as I do. How is that constructive or helpful? You know, the work is about still ending systemic violence and calling out homophobia and transphobia and racism and fatphobia. The work is about still making that not safe to be acted out systemically or institutionally. It's still about calling it out when it's in our friends and family members and letting them know there's consequences. And it's kind of like I, where I had to land with my work. I do the work I do and those that want to uh, engage it and participate in it, come and join. And those that don't, that's cool too. I'm not going to go knocking on doors and trying to force my work on someone. Um, it's not our job to educate others. We don't have to. Um, our job is to be available and to take care of ourselves and our community. And if people are truly open to learning, if you have the energy and you're willing to do that emotional labor, you can. But um, all the resources exist. No one needs their handheld. Google. The books are out there. You want to learn, go learn. But it's not the job of an exploited, marginalized community to educate the majority. We've talked about this. Racism is a result of white people. Homophobia is created and maintained by straight people. And it's on them to dismantle that, right? 
and to continue to. And that's the message. People are saying, please don't think that the work is done and that we're in a post-racial, uh, a post-racism, post-homophobic, post-transphobic time because Biden is in office. By all means, that all still exists and we have to still battle that. And it's not our job, again, to reach out to the people that create that. And so you still get to have boundaries. You still get to look out for mental health. You still get to hold people accountable. You know, you, you don't have to be gaslit by being told that we shouldn't hold a grudge. You're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to hold a grudge. You're allowed to keep them out of your life. You know, the battle isn't done. That, that, that violence still exists. It's still a danger. And so when people like Katy Perry are saying that it's our responsibility to reach out to them, that's not fair and that's not true and that's gaslighting and that's victim blaming. The victim is never responsible for the repair, period, period. And that's Mental Health 101. And I'm always going to support and come from a mental health first perspective. And in terms of mental health, we get to decide who's in our life. And that's based on whether or not they cause suffering or harm for us and the ones we love, you know? And so um, please ignore people like that. Uh, she, again, doesn't understand what it's like. She literally is at the top of the privilege pile, except for her female identity. She's white, she's cis, she's hetero, she's wealthy. She doesn't understand. There was never danger for her. She was going to be okay no matter what. She will always be okay. She has enough money and clout in her celebrity that she will always survive. She will always get her needs met. So it's really offensive when someone like that is talking down and saying to the people that are directly impacted, that are still scared, that are still wondering what's coming next, that they need to reach across the aisle and make nice with the oppressor. It's, it's so gaslighting. It's so, it's so gross to me. And so please ignore the people that are saying that. You owe no one anything. You know, you own knowing and you know, you own no one anything, but you setting boundaries and continuing to take care of yourself. That's all. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about Wentworth Miller, the actor. I thought something really interesting emerged when he came out saying, I'm not playing any straight roles anymore. Yep. A lot to learn and unpack in that. And then we'll be doing some DMs. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about representation. So Wentworth Miller, it's interesting. He's someone who has a career that I haven't kept up with. For those that aren't familiar, he's actually an, an actor and a writer. Wrote a really phenomenal film called Stoker. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's got uh, Nicole Kidman. Came out many, many years ago. Really great film. But he's well known for playing uh, a character in the TV show Prison Break. Apparently he came back. Now, he was written up in an article in HuffPo because he was saying that he's no longer playing straight roles and he will not be coming back and reprising his role as a, a straight individual on the show Prison Break because Wentworth is gay. And it, was, it really shook people. Um, he said he wants to focus his career on more queer representation on screen moving forward. So a lot of people are kind of confused by that. And I thought there's so many different moving pieces to unpack that there would be a lot of value in really talking about what that's driven by. So first off, his perspective is quite understandable that you know most media is written by straight people in service of straight people. And so the characters and the storylines are very heterocentric. They're, they very much mirror the lives and the struggles that straight individuals go through. And his perspective is, look, yawn. And I understand that. I feel that way often about a lot of talk shows. 
where they're trying to diversify, but at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of straight people talking about straight people stuff. And there's really not any diversification. And they'll add people of color, and that by far is phenomenal inclusivity, representation, but it never quite um, dismantles the cis hetero narrative or rhetoric and that it isn't applicable to everyone. And then you get some people that are gay like Ellen, but yet she's still doing a straight person show for straight people. It doesn't appeal necessarily to some of the specificities of someone who moves through the world in a gay, trans, or queer way. And Wentworth is saying like, look, I want to kind of dedicate my time to that. Now it's interesting to hear that because other actors that came out as gay like Rupert Everett have said the opposite. He said, look, coming out gay as gay has killed my career. I don't book projects anymore. I'm no longer able to be seen as a leading man like I had been when I was seen to be straight. And I think that that's most accurate. Most people come out as gay and it really changes the course of their career. Sometimes it's for the better, but often that's because they get more notoriety and attention within the gay world. But most of them do wind up losing a lot of roles. And that's why some people don't come out because they want to prioritize their career. And that's fair. Um, we live in a very homophobic, heterocentric culture. And so I very much support people that are like, look, I don't want to come out because I understand that the world doesn't really know how to both allow me to live my life in terms of the gender choice of my sex partners while also letting me play roles in films and, and television. And that's unfortunate, right? We really put a little bit of, too, we put way too much emphasis on someone's sexuality. It's such a, for many, a small part of who they are. It really doesn't present itself often in their day. Um, it depends, right? So basically he's saying that. Now, the reason why some people are saying, well, listen, aren't all actors playing roles that aren't who they really are in real time? And the answer is yes, but because what comes up is when they say, let trans actors and actresses play trans roles, let people that have disabilities play the roles of disabled characters. Now, the reason why it's not consistent for straight and gay people is this. When a gay person comes out as gay, they often are no longer up for straight roles, although they are at times. So they're saying give gay roles to gay people because for many gay people, that is the only access that they'll have to do something in the industry. When you start giving gay roles to straight people and trans roles to straight people, well, that really limits the roles that they can play because trans individuals are still not being brought in to play cis roles. And until they are, we want to at least allow them to have access to the few opportunities that they're they're going to be afforded. And so when you give trans roles to non-trans actors, to cis actors, that limits their abilities to just work in that career. So I really value what Wentworth is saying. He's like, oh, I'm a gay person. I want to play gay roles. I get that. And so part of that work is also expanding the opportunities, making more gay roles really exist. But um, props to him. That is a bold, bold, bold move. <laughs> it really, really is because uh, it's worked against some people and it's him act, It's him openly saying, I'm turning roles down. So also some privilege in that. I mean, he must be doing very well financially if he's willing, uh, financially, if he's willing to really kind of shoot down the ability to participate in other roles. Now, just to give a little more context, I think another piece of what was driving this is his own exhaustion with homophobia. He said, you know, a lot of, a lot of fans of the show when they found out that he was gay, because initially he was not openly gay, right? For the first couple seasons that he got a lot of uh, hate on his social media. You know, people were, were really let down. And as a result, he removed the comment section from his social media. He said, you don't have a right to comment. My page is public. If you wanna access it, you can but I don't set myself up to be on the receiving end of all your thoughts. And I thought, wow, that's bold. And I've thought about that myself, removing some of the comment sections on my post because people don't have respect for the impact they have on others. Whether someone's famous or a celebrity, 
it still hurts to have people take the time out of their day to write something hateful or homophobic on their social media. No one wants to encounter that, especially within the context of whatever else might be going on in their life. You know, everyone's dealing with different struggles and to just open up your page and have hate on it is a reason to shut down comments, but also understandable. He's like, fans are so homophobic, so I'm no longer going to give them access to my work by playing those roles. Interesting stuff, man. Strange, beautiful time in the world. Um, all right, y'all coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs question of the night as always is up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty, we're back. Uh, a career site called Zipia, not familiar with them. They recently released a map of people's favorite Thanksgiving sides state by state. I don't do Thanksgiving. I do indigenous people stay because of the violence and genocide that's associated with Thanksgiving. And I do that to honor the land upon which I live and that was stolen. So I don't use that word. They do. I wanted to call that out because I know my followers are very up on social justice and feminism. I'm so proud. And uh, I wanted to kind of go through this. It's so bizarre. Uh, so they basically use Google Trends to find the 20 traditional sides California mashed potatoes. I'm into that. I love potato products. I don't care if they're French fries, tater tots, whatever else you can do with a potato, waffle fries, amazing. Mashed potatoes, hell yeah. Only thing better than mashed potatoes is wasabi or garlic mashed potatoes. Um, so that's pretty cool. Moving north, when we get into the Portland and Oregon area, we're, we're getting into biscuits. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm sorry, I find them very dry and a little bland. And I know you're not supposed to eat them alone. You dip them in gravy. Some people even spread jelly. That might be like an East Coast thing. <laughs> that might be the Philly in me talking. Uh, I'm not a biscuit fan. I appreciate it, though. Definitely appreciate it. I uh, always find it a little bland. Uh, let's see. Texas, you're into green bean casseroles. Hmm. Doesn't sound good to me either. But again, I, I shame your food not. You eat what you need to eat. We're getting in the Midwest, and then we really start getting more into uh, cream corn. <laughs> I do not know where this crap came from, but it's hilarious to me. Uh, we push over and get a little more east in the Midwest area, and we, we get into white gravy, huh? Not really familiar with that one. But God bless, when we get full east coast, I'm talking the up and down that coast, right below Pennsylvania down, because Pennsylvania is all about the stuffing, which is funny, because that's true. When I'm at home for the holidays, we're all about stuffing. So like New York and Pennsylvania, we're up about the stuffing. But then we just go all the way down and everyone under Pennsylvania, right above Florida, mac and cheese. <laughs> I mean, what? Pfft, mac and cheese forever. Come on, that's one of those things you could have every day, all day. And I'm vegan. I don't do dairy. Vegan mac and cheese is freaking phenomenal. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, cashew. It's made, often made with cashew cheese. Stuff is delicious. Check it out. All right, y'all. Enough rambling. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore with confidence. This one says, Dear Dr. Chris, me and my friends have been arguing about this and I want your opinion. My friends always clown me because I won't date someone who doesn't have a big family. This is my reason. I came from a broken home, have always craved family. I also noticed that guys with brothers and sisters tend to be a little bit more upfront and have better personalities. They think I need to give guys with smaller families a chance. <laughs> 
I love things like this. Uh, yeah, I think if you're looking for love and compatibility, you have to be wide open. It can't be about what height they need to be, that's your ego, how much money you think they need to meet, make, that's your ego. And the bigger family thing is, no, bigger families don't always promise the idealized, romanticized family that you're seeking, right? Sometimes larger families are chaotic, messy, violent, or toxic. And sometimes smaller families actually have far more love. And so it just isn't as black and white as you think. And I think if you're looking for love, you stay wide open, when in doubt, go out and see what they're really like. Having said that, and I stand by that, I also do appreciate where you're going with that. I have a very, very, very small family. I also love when I get the opportunity to have met someone amazing who I like, who then also happens to have a large family. I don't seek it because again, it doesn't promise anything, right? You have an idealized version. It doesn't necessarily promise that. But I love larger families, and I'm thankful that my past couple of relationships, including the one I'm currently in, has larger families, and they all seem phenomenal, and I love bringing more people into my life, so I love that as well. It changes the way holidays exist, family systems. I love that too, and I find that as an added gift when it's there, but I don't rule someone out based on just that because, again, healthy dating isn't about ruling people out based on these small factors. We actually take the time to see what that actually looks like in real time, right? Because uh, I hear people do this all the time, keeping themselves single over like, oh, they're not tall enough. Really? Well, how about just get more confident in your height and then their height doesn't matter? You know, I mean, like such strange, strange things. And we live in a capitalist culture, so people also sometimes worry about money and things like that and think that that's the divine you know, factor. And it's like, again, that promises not what you think it does. So yeah, open it up. Be more open. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about what to consider when you are re-entering the dating game. It's a big deal. We all end up there at some point. Sorry about it. All right, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about newly single and wanting to start dating again. Bam, listen, now is a good time. It is, it is, it is. Get on those apps. Uh, feel free to ask people out in the wild as well, in the IRL, the in real, real life. <laughs> I, I think it's phenomenal. I have a friend and uh, we, were, we were masked and socially distancing out at a little bit of a Biden celebration and uh, someone caught his eye. And unfortunately, the person wandered away. My friend tracked down some, um, it's a very long story, but essentially my friend tracked down the person's IG page and was like, yo, should I send a message? And I was like, please, you know, it's such an empowering act to be assertive and uh, it's a compliment. You know, if someone's not interested, I hope that they make it a compliment. Hey, thank you for thinking of me in those ways. And unfortunately, I'm not interested or I'm not single or whatever it is, but uh, please take those risks, make that decision that you're going to really prioritize for those that are looking for a relationship that you're going to prioritize it and that you're not going to co-sign on just wandering away or letting things go. But within the confines of uh, consent and really not making anyone uncomfortable, right? We ask once and once only and if someone is uncomfortable or not interested, we move on, we let it go, but assert yourself. Uh, many people wait for the other person to assert themselves. And, and I don't care what your gender is. Uh, I don't subscribe to that. Ask people out if you're interested. Everyone wants that compliment. And if someone is so threatened by the fact that you're the assertive one because maybe you're female and they're male, then that's not the right person for you anyway because that means they're way too trapped in gender roles. They have some toxic masculinity and fragility. That's a mess. But uh, my friend asked the person out and I was like, I'm so proud of you because whether or not they're interested or available or however it goes, that was a big, bold act, especially in our culture. People don't do that. And I think that that is freaking phenomenal. And um, 
I, and I love that. And now's a really great time to be doing that. There's people that are looking for love and, and relationship. And there are people that are lonely and the apps are a really great way to do that or out there in real life. But a question that comes up sometimes is like, Hey, new to the game, what's going on? And I was think first off, anyone that's been in a long-term relationship and has not encountered online dating, oof, new language, new concepts, new expectations, like get ready. It's, it's wild. Um, but I think that there's a value in that. So what, did this, what, what do we need to think about if we're newly single and we're getting out there? Well, first off, as I said, go online. There's a lot of dating that is taking place online right now. Get into that. There's no reason not to. Effortlessly, hundreds of people. You know what I mean? All you got to do is set up a profile and it gives you at least the ability to be out there and have someone possibly reach out to you. You know what I mean? So set up a profile. Absolutely. Also, <laughs> make no assumptions. We live in a beautiful time of designer relationships. What that means is just because you see someone in a dating app doesn't necessarily mean that they're totally single. They could be in an open relationship or polyamorous into non-monogamy. So that means that they're looking for something, but don't assume. Some people have moved forward assuming that they're completely single and then finding out that they're in something primary or something secondary or they're poly or whatever it is, and there's some disappointment and frustration. And so I really think that on both ends, people should lead with that. If you're already in some form of a relationship, please put it in your profile because people that are looking for monogamy or are monogamously oriented, uh, you're kind of wasting their time and they're wasting yours. And there's no need to hold that back. I know that they're stigmatized to that. But part of working through that is for people to encounter it more. And so please lead with that confidently. I don't want either party let down or disappointed further down the road. Um, Because again, like I said, designer relationships, people are in all different kinds of styles looking for all different kinds of things. Make that known on the front end. That's a really important thing to call out, you know? And again, I know that there's stigma. I have clients that are poly or open and there's a struggle in that. It's getting more comfortable, more familiar, but put that out there. Um, something else to think of is again, like I said, there's such a thing as dating app burnout, right? Apps, just like dating apps, there is such a thing as too much time on them, too much expectation, right? And they can let us down. So if while you're going on them, you're feeling depressed, you're getting off and you're feeling lonely, you're feeling very frustrated, maybe you're spending too much time and you need to take a break, right? Or maybe you're expecting too much from them. Because remember, you're still dealing with people, people whose lives are already in motion and very complex. So if you're feeling some kind of negative outcome, take a break, you know, put, put dating on hold for a minute. Don't go on the apps for a couple days, you know, because it's not something that you're bringing into your life to make it harder or worse or to feel bad or to be more complex. You're bringing it in as a way to try to make things better. And that's again, the mental health perspective. What impact does fill in the blank have on my mental health? Do I feel better? Do I feel worse? And if you're feeling worse, figure out if there's a way to make it improve or if you need to maybe put a pause or back away from it. Because again, there's enough going on with our lives and we're not going on dating apps to try to make things feel worse or have a negative impact on us. So really, 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 really check in on that because I'm seeing people that are really walking away from the apps thinking, there's not good people in the world. Dating doesn't feel good. And that does circle back to me reminding people, take it seriously. That's a human being on the other end. And, and you're impacting how they feel in the world, how they feel about love and dating and relationships. So be a positive influence. Don't, don't, don't drop the bar by saying it's just an app. Don't take that seriously. But no, please do. You know, this is real. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, though, we're going to talk more about things to consider and think about when newly dating. And honestly, these are just general skills for all of us. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris 
on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about general, you know, uh, mental health around dating apps. But uh, mainly we're talking about things to consider when you're re-entering the dating world. Maybe you've only been out of it for a few minutes, maybe you've been out of it for a long time. So the first thing we were just talking about in general is go online. No shame about it. Some people still have shame about it. We shouldn't. Also, we were talking about that you need to ask people's relational status. Don't assume that everyone's monogamous or looking for that. And those that are currently in something because they're open or poly or whatever it is, put that in your profile. Let people know ahead of time. Let's not waste each other's time, you know? And there's a lot more people asking that directly. And so I tell people, if it's not posted, ask, are you single? Are you monogamous? Is that something you're open to? That should be something we talk about on the front end because there was a time when it was easy to assume that people were single and looking for monogamy. Now, not so much. And that's good. That's okay. People are, are building the kinds of relationships that they need, that they want, and that makes sense to them. And then quickly, we were also talking about the fact that if it's feeling bad, it's stressing you out, it's frustrating you, take time off. It's not supposed to be something that's going to add negativity or complexity or life, the use of these apps and these dating sites is supposed to make life better, more fun. So be lighthearted with it, right? Like drop the expectation a little bit. It takes time. In the meantime, try to have fun, good conversations, some laughter, let go a little bit. Some people are a little too serious. I'm on here for dating only. And that's all that it's got to be about. And da da. And it's like, yo, breathe a little bit, breathe a little bit. That's don't come out swinging. Don't come out so strong and stress people out, you know? So enter from a joyous place. If you're not in a good mood or a good space, that's not the time to go on there and try to swipe around and talk to someone who's a potential partner. You know what I mean? Like wait till you're feeling grounded and secure and happy and that's the moment you can pick it up and swipe a little bit you don't want to go on there you know channeling and acting out all your anger and frustration because that can happen now one of the other things uh, we want to consider is remember it's not just on the apps the rest of the world is the has a possibility of dating but again always with consent i've seen too many people hitting on someone the person's showing a complete lack of interest and they're either not caring or they're not honoring or not reading the body language if they're looking away or shutting down walk away but if you're single and you're looking, move through the world in a way that speaks singleness. And what that means is be open to being connected with. People are only going to do so much work to try to get your attention or connect with your flirt to advance. And so if you are interested, you need to be open. You need to have your head up, smile, make eye contact, look back. Maybe you start the conversation. If they start one with you, keep it going. But you don't want to put too much heavy lifting on the other person. So again, if you're wanting to connect it, to move through the world in an approachable way, that communicates I'm available to be connected with. Because again, if you have the earphones on, head down, not looking at anyone, that really doesn't set it up so someone can hit on you if interested. And you're missing out on that opportunity to hit on someone or to be hit on. And I, and I work with clients around that. Live in the world in a single way. Smile, make eye contact, be approachable, start conversations. Because even if the conversation you start isn't with someone you're interested in, you're still practicing being more outgoing and sociable. And some people need that. Most people need that. I want them to need that. They're looking for cues of openness, availability, and interest. That's healthy, consensual dating and courtship. So you have to give that out. Um, also, ask people out. Everyone. Again, no matter your gender, you got to be assertive. Sitting back passively hoping that someone you're interested in that they will be the assertive one is a is a problematic losing theory and that's how people keep themselves single unwilling to do any of the lifting saying they have to approach me that they hit on me because of my gender because of whatever great good luck with being single and you can't complain we create that we have to put ourselves out there 
So if you aren't ready to flirt openly and ask people out, then at least practice what I call one step more. At least push yourself out of your comfort zone in one minute way by doing one thing that's a step towards it. You might not be open to hitting on someone or asking them out, but at least maybe sit near them. At least maybe lift your head and smile once. At least maybe walk down the aisle they're down. At least do one thing that's a movement towards. That at least is one more thing that communicates to that person, hey, hit on me, I'm open and interested. I'd love for you to just do it. Why? Because it's a compliment and a please caveat. If someone hits on you and you're not interested, just say thank you and take the compliment. You know what I mean? As long as it's done in an appropriate way, don't make anyone feel bad as long as they've done it in an appropriate way. By all means though, if they're inappropriate and offensive and have no boundaries, feel free to respond to that in that way. But one step more is sometimes all you needed to do. You did one thing that communicated to that person, I'm open, I'm interested, and then maybe they'll act on it, right? You wanna be part of the solution. Also, look at what you're putting in your profile. A lot of what you list based on what you're looking for is ego. I call it the ego list. Love can come and connection from unexpected people and places. But if you have a long list of all these different traits that you need, it might keep you trapped in singledom. Because a lot of times we're not speaking from the best, we're speaking from our worst. And we want all these things because that's what makes us feel secure. Stay open to something coming that's unexpected. And that's why I say be very thoughtful about all the things you're requesting because you don't always know what you need and you don't always know some of the things you assume that you don't want or won't work sometimes actually could or would, but you're making assumptions about what that looks like. We use these qualities and these attributes, but we don't necessarily know what that looks like in real time. People are bigger than just that one thing and physical attraction is important, right? But keep in mind that what you find attractive can also be sometimes just rooted in cultural norms and conformity. And that you're just acting out does standardized desirability requirements and that maybe something outside of that would make sense to you. Also, this is a big one. Use the word date if you're asking someone out on a date. You got to use that word because if you say to someone, do you want to hang out? Do you want to go for coffee? That doesn't clearly imply it's a date. And that lack of clarity about what's being requested can leave parties, both of them, unsure about what they're even being asked and maybe what they're even showing up to. This inherently is about being vulnerable. And so use words date. Would you like to go on a date? Because I've worked with too many clients and have too many friends where they're like, was that a date? Did I just say yes to a date or is it just coffee? And no one knows. I don't know if they know what they asked me. It's a mess. (laughs) Got to be vulnerable. We got to be honest. There's no shame in that. It helps everyone. All right, so good luck with that. Let me know how it goes. But uh, coming up next, question of the night. As always, it's up on our Loveland IG page in the story. So weigh in on that. And uh, we'll be back in two minutes. Uh, You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Um, I have a couple friends that are sexual scientists. Love them, love their work, stunning people. Shout out to uh, Dr. Nikki Prowse. Phenomenally brilliant. We've had her on the show before. We will have her back on again. She's dedicated her life to sexual research and sexual science. She's gotten a lot of uh, threats posed against her because of it. People don't like her work because it really starts to normalize and push on, push on the boundaries and deconstruct and challenge what we assume to be truth. Nikki recently put out some research and really looked at the question of does masturbating too often lower testosterone levels? Because the sex addiction people, remember sex addiction is not real. It's a sexually abusive label and diagnostic. 
um, with no universalizable definition. People just sling it around to mean whatever they want it to mean. And this whole idea that's combined with that, and this is also born out of some of the like uh, fascist groups, like the Proud Boys and all that. They these really sexist, sexist, misogynist groups really tell their they tell their members to withhold masturbation because it depletes their testosterone. They say, well, Nikki's work along with the research of others shows that's just not true. That your testosterone levels are not tied to masturbation or ejaculation patterns and habits like we had thought they were or want them to be. Low testosterone is not tied to that. Dr. Prowse's work, and I quote, says a common misconception is that testosterone is related to male sex drive. It's mostly related to aggression. Having testosterone that is too low is a condition, um, but that is not what we're talking about. It can happen. It has a lot of negative impacts. Uh, but the way we're using it, the way we're looking at it is just not accurate. Uh, I think I retweeted this article. So if you want to look at it more, you can, but basically it's saying the effects of orgasm itself are not different from sex and orgasm is just a reflex. Sexual arousal is a bit different because that's the other piece where people try to shame masturbation and normalize partnered sex as though there's some massive distinction, like healthier to ejaculate with a partner, but not by yourself. It's the same process to your body. It's a reflex. It doesn't know the difference. Uh, so anyway, yeah, we'll talk more about her work. All right, let's do a question of the night. All right, tonight's question of the night. According to a new study, 72% of people believe that this year's holiday season with their families will be awkward. Wow. Will your holiday be different? Why or why not? I'm spending mine here very localized, so I can't even weigh in on that one. But were I to go home for the holidays, meh, wouldn't be awkward for me, but let's hear what y'all said. First person said, no big family gatherings like usual, which I'm okay with. Best to be safe. Yeah, please, y'all. It's going to be different this year. That doesn't mean it's bad or worse, but please, no big gatherings. Please, not this year. I'm sorry. It's going to break my heart because I know I'm going to see tons of people indoors, long periods of time, around others with no masks celebrating the holidays, and it's horrifying to me as a public health professional, but God bless y'all. So again, the, st the question is, will your holidays be different? Why or why not? Someone else said, we are still gathering in a fairly large group setting for Christmas and Thanksgiving. Sorry to hear that, and I think that's selfish. I really do, because you're not worrying about the impacts it's going to have on others. Those people might be symptomatic. They might be asymptomatic. Have they all been tested? And also, when they go back out in the world, they possibly pass it on. Sorry to hear that. Bums me out. Someone else said, nah, I've had orphan Christmas since 2012. I hear you. I hear you. Not everyone celebrates the holidays, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be a big deal for everyone. Someone else said, will your holidays be different? Why around that? Someone said, yeah, but only because of COVID. I'm not seeing them. <clears throat> Good. Good. Please don't. Please let that one day pass. It's just a day. It doesn't have to have any bigger meaning than what you give it, you know? Someone else said, it'll be over Zoom. They don't know I'm pregnant, and I'll be wearing a large poncho. <laughs> Oh, God bless. Well, uh, my hope, you know, I hope that uh, it's still as fulfilling as you need it to be. And it can be, right? It's just about spending time with people in whatever ways. Props to you for taking care of yourself and not letting them know that you're pregnant because for whatever reason, that's a boundary you set. So good for you. Someone else said, yes, I won't be flying to see loved ones. And I'm leaning in shamelessly to iTunes and decor, to tunes and decor. Love that. Decorate, play your music, stay home, stay off those airplanes. Someone else said, no family getaway. We're not living in the same province. Chrismica over Zoom. Yeah, yep, I hear you. I, I got the Jews, Jewish background and uh, also have a Catholic background. So we don't do Jewish rituals. Yeah, it just wasn't the way I was raised. Mine's more Catholic, but I love your combination there. Good stuff. Again, question of the night is, uh, will your holidays be different? Why or why not? Someone said, my holidays are always the best because I punted my toxic family 11 years ago. 
no mess. I love that props. It's just got to do. It's not about family. It's about mental health. What impact do people have on you? And no one gets a pass. You know, you don't, someone doesn't get a pass for being toxic and violent or problematic because they're your uncle. It doesn't work like that. Your mental health doesn't care who it is, right? And we deserve better. We deserve more. We deserve boundaries. We deserve our holidays to be about what we need to. And that's what some people do. Oh, holidays are about family. No, it's about every, It's about what everyone needs. All of our all of our needs matter in that in that time. You know. Somebody else said, usually I escape family drama by visiting hometown friends, but can't leave the house this year. I know I got you. Someone else said, uh, it's going to be different, sure, but not awkward. Family is family. We'll miss holiday parties. I I'm, thank you though for staying home and looking out for us because we're all impacted. The numbers have spiked beyond belief. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's different but it doesn't have to be awkward. Somebody else said, mine is always the same since we all moved to Canada. I've been there 20 years with my family. Props to Canada. I love it up there. Every time I've been to Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, oh, such a great place. Clean. Everyone's nice. Um, person I'm in a relationship with is from Canada. Hey, Toronto. And then finally, we'll close out this one. Someone said, uh, it's only weird if you make it weird. Ain't that the truth about so many things in life? Thanks to those that participated. Question of the night is always on our Loveline IG page in the stories. The new one is already up. So weigh in on that. And coming up next, we'll be sliding into those DMs. We'll be back in two minutes. The two minute promise. All right, we're back. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Tracy and I think I might be talking to a catfish. Tracy, come on, it's 2020. We don't allow that anymore. And if you think you are, you probably are. You probably are. Safe to say, right? We met on Tinder and he lives in Las Vegas. I'm out in LA, so it's not super far. I've offered to go see him and he keeps blaming COVID. Okay, fine, right? What, I mean, if he is catfishing you, like what a really great thing to hide behind COVID. Cause you really can't push on that too much. Although you kind of can, you can be like, hey, look, I will wear my mask, we'll meet outside, I'll keep six feet apart and we'll meet in a park. Bam, They're, like that is not, there's like zero risk in that. So, eh, but I do appreciate some people have that anxiety and I'm glad they do. I'd rather people be overly cautious and underly cautious even if that's not a word, underly. Uh, but we've only FaceTimed once, and his camera was on the ground, so all I could see was his feet. Okay, catfish. Catfish. A catfish. Because if those photos aren't him, because he's looks different now, that's not fair to you. That's a misrepresentation. Attraction matters. Seeing someone's face is part of intimacy building and assessing compatibility and chemistry. He showed you his feet? I would love to know how one defended. My FaceTime works, and I'm willing to hop on, but you can only see my feet. Oh, bless. I am holding space with person's anxiety about what it is they're hiding, but that, that isn't, that doesn't make it okay. Right? Oh gosh. Okay. So I can see was his feet. He said he was embarrassed that he was at work and didn't want me to see his uniform. See now that's a new one. I haven't heard that one. I thought I'd heard them all yet. Are there any questions I can ask him so I can get him to prove who he is? Yeah. Hey dude, what's your Facebook or your Instagram? And, and let me on. Because if you don't have one, that might either be another catfish reason or you're just someone who doesn't want to participate in that system, which I also respect and value. But um, yeah, you, you need to see his face. <clears throat> uh, he's not, he doesn't you know, live in his uniform and sleep in it. So it's like, cool, hit me up when you've gotten home and taken it off. And also, um, you, know, you want to be with someone who has the confidence to just be where they are in life, whatever that means. Because I appreciate the uniform part. There's classism in that, right? Afraid of what you might make about him based on maybe where he works. I have to believe that's it. I don't know, but uh, I would say, listen, I can't continue to talk to you at all moving forward until I've gotten you on FaceTime. P 
period, end of story, period. Um, so that's the question. <laughs> Why won't you get on when you're not in your uniform? Uh, if he genuinely is concerned about COVID or doesn't want me to see his uniform, I don't want to come off rude or no, stop it. No, don't you, don't you shoulder the responsibility for this person's anxiety, whatever it is. That's part of courtship is being known. Part of intimacy building is being known, especially in the beginning, especially when it's long distance. So you demand, I will not respond or text any further if you do not get on FaceTime so I can see the face of the person that's demanding intimacy, time, and energy from me. This person is being very self-centered. They're demanding your, your continued presence, care, time, and energy, and will give you nothing back but their feet because of their uniform. Well, you need to really work on the confidence, dude, about where you're working and what your uniform looks like. But more importantly, you don't sleep in it or shower in it. So you need to hop on that FaceTime when you're not at work and let this person on your social media. So yeah, you got my support. You are not being rude or insensitive. You set those hard lines. Oof. See what people are up against. This is why people don't want to re-enter the dating world. Oh my gosh, what would we have done in the past with things like this when we just had regular phones? Couldn't even send pictures or FaceTime. Didn't have social media. Oof. Anywho, yeah, you set those boundaries. That's crap. And and everyone out there, don't don't be doing that. Dating isn't supposed to be that difficult or that painful. You know what I mean? Like, go easy on people. This poor girl is putting time, care, and attention and maybe getting dragged along. So to all you catfishers, stop. Stop. If you are not confident enough to be yourself in dating, you need to take a break. Truly, truly, because you're dragging people through the mud with you. All right, that's that. Question of the night, as always, is up for tomorrow. So wait on that. Loveline, podcasted over at uh, wearechannelq.com. So go over to check out past episodes. Lots of great stuff, as well as I'm listening live, my live stream show. That's every Thursday on all the radio.com handles at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can also go back and check out those old episodes on radio.com's Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube page. Always good stuff. We talk about mental health, COVID, self-care, all different mental health-based things with celebrities and experts. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. Tomorrow we got a great show. We're going to be talking about pronouns, some of the issues with heterosexuality we can all learn from. And uh, as always, centering mental health and the best ways to really have what we call a mental health day. Yeah, that's right. There are specific things you should seek to have built into your mental health day. So it's actually a mental health day. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. And you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.